Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks Thanks be to to God, who gives gives us the victory, the victory, the victory, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And welcome back in to the Living Victory Podcast. My name is Christian Conway. As always, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Max Keen and Jonathan Krause. But today, once again, we have another special guest for you guys. And this is a special guest that I have been waiting a long time to have on this podcast because he's a man that has meant a lot to me in my own personal walk with Christ. I, I only got to know him for a short time during my time in Maryland, the same time that I was meeting Jonathan and Max. But for those three years that I was in Maryland, um, this man, Mr. Andy Nelson, was transformative in my spiritual journey. He helped me to to broaden my horizons and to to look at the world from a different perspective and to see everything with Jesus at the center, to, to have an outlook on life where I was focused on Jesus in every decision that I made, everything that I everything that I read, everything that I learned, everything that I did, that I could keep Jesus at the center and make all of my decisions revolving around my relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm really excited to have him. Uh, in our conversation here today, and I'm excited for you guys all to meet him. So without further ado, welcome, Mr. Andy Nelson. How are you this morning? I'm okay, thank you. Thank you very much, Christian. It's a privilege to be with you guys today. Looking forward to this. Yeah, we're really, really excited to have you here. Yeah, Mr. Andy, would you mind giving like a a short story of your life so people know who you are? (laughs) Well, I was born and raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and uh, I came to know Christ when I, just before I turned 12. Uh, uh, we had moved into a section of Philadelphia, and uh, uh, a man invited us to come to his church. I had no idea what that church was. I'd gone to church most of my life. Uh, but I was keenly aware of the fact that I was a sinner. Now, what kind of a sinner is an 11-year-old? You know, I mean, I knew very much about the disobedience to my parents, and I had two older sisters, and I used to fight with them all the time because I wanted my own way. And uh, I was so heavy with the sin in my life that uh, hmm. I heard this man preaching and uh, I remember being so convicted of my sin uh, that I had to get up and leave the church service. And when I got outside, my mother was there and I asked, why were you there? She said, God told me I should come help my son. So on the way home, the four blocks that we lived for the church, I explained to my mother the guilt that I was feeling because of the sin that was in my life. And she took John three sixteen and explained to me the fact that Jesus Christ loved me so much that he gave his life in my behalf to pay for the penalty of my sin so that I wouldn't have to do that and that, so that I could know God. And it was my sin that was keeping me from knowing God. So <clears throat> she told me that, you know, God said, for, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, she said, Andrew, that was my name. It is my given name. Andrew, put your name in that place. If I, Andrew, would believe in him, I would not perish but have everlasting life. So I told God that that day, and I remember very, very clearly having that freedom from the guilt of sin and uh, the the fact that I could know God. And that was just the, I I had had no idea what kind of a journey that was going to mean. But I realized that uh, after that, that it was just a process throughout the rest of my life because I was 11 then, and now I'm 83. And uh, all my life it's been spent trying to get to know who this God is spend more time with him to understand what it is that he wants with my life and the fact that he came to give me that purpose and meaning and why I'm here and that it isn't just an accident. It isn't just for my own self. It's to find some way to serve him and to tell others about how wonderful God he is. So um, that's a long time ago that I did that, but I was very appreciative of the fact that my mother knew God through Jesus Christ and she shared with me how I could know God through Jesus Christ. And uh, I've been praising God for that ever since then. Any question about that? Yeah, that's that's an awesome story. Like you just just thinking about the fact that you have been a follower of Christ for seventy two years. That you must have seen a lot of a lot of ups and downs and turns and twists and God taking your life in in ways that you didn't expect. Could you tell us about one time when God called you to do something that wasn't something that like you didn't expect? him to call you to do that but looking back on it you could see how god really used you through that certain situation well i i'm having a hard time thinking that offhand i just uh, i remember when i was a child 
there's one of three things I wanted to become. I either wanted to be a chiropractor, I wanted to be a preacher, or there was a third thing, and I can't remember what that was. And that was even before I committed my life to Christ. So after I came to know Christ, I thought that the only reasonable thing there was to do was to do what he wanted. And um, I had no idea. I hadn't a clue what that was at that point in time. And then after I committed my life to Christ, it was when I was in college that the founder of the mission that I used to work with was speaking in chapel at the college I went to. And he said to the student body, why don't you think about working full time with high school kids? And I said, oh, yeah, I could do that. And uh, very, very clearly, that's the thing that God used to direct my life. I mean, he said it to the whole student body, but God said it to me. And uh, that idea was that I could serve God in something that I found out later that I was made to do. Because after I was doing that for a couple of years, somebody asked me, well, Andy, how long are you going to work with high school kids? Because most youth workers work with kids for about two years. And I said, I never thought about that. How long would I do that? And then when I thought about it, I realized that's what God made me to do. I realized the gifts that he had given me and the abilities that he had given to me. Uh, I liked doing that. And the mission that I worked with gave me the opportunity to do what God had made me to do, and that was to work with kids. And that's what I've done. Even though I retired from that mission in 1999, I still have had the privilege of working with kids whether wherever I've been. I thought that 99, I retired, I, I wouldn't do anything more. But I realized that I've had a good opportunity to serve God, especially with kids when I, uh, in any church wherever I've been. And I appreciate that very much. Yeah, I've definitely seen how, how even in in your life today, you still, um, seek out high school kids. Like that's how I met you as you were a part of the high school, uh, ministry at our church and you were constantly seeking out high school, high school boys to nurture and to help develop their relationship with Christ. And one of so our topic today is going to be, are you willing to do anything anywhere, anytime, and at any cost for Christ? And I know that this is something that everybody struggles with, but it's probably especially true for young Christians, high school Christians, um, new college, young adult Christians, trying to figure out what that means, what it means to devote your life to Christ or to give your life to Christ. Because we hear people say this all the time, like, I want to give my life to Christ. But trying to figure out and, and actually grasp onto what that means to give your life to Christ, it's a it's a really difficult um, concept to grasp. So throughout your time, serving with high school kids, what are some of the biggest struggles that you've seen them have in grasping this idea to serve Christ at any any cost, any time, anywhere, and any any uh, thing? I think the biggest struggle is the fact that uh, all of us have some idea of what we think we want to do. We have goals and objectives of, uh, you know, we want to be successful. We want to have a career. We want to make a lot of money. We want to have a family. Uh, I want to be. I even want to be meaningful in what I do. I don't want to just live haphazardly. And the fact, can I trust God to do that? When most of my life, and particularly in America, most of my life has made me think that is made to make me think, uh, who am I? What, what am I going to do? How can I be successful? And how do you measure that success? It usually that success is measured by the, the possessions that you have or the position that you have in life. And I think that's a uh, I think that's a difficulty for a kid. Why would I or why or how can I trust God to provide for me, to give me that direction uh, when all of my life that everything that I see, everything that I observe, everything that I listen to is made me is to help me think me-centered, what I want, what I can get, and how good can I be, and how big can I be, and how f famous can I be. So I think that's the real struggle that we have. It, it, can I trust what God wants, or do I have to figure this all out on my own? Yeah, and one thing that comes to mind after hearing that is, so some sometimes, you know, it's easy for us to say, like, oh, I'll do whatever God wants me to do. Um, but the idea of doing it with the right attitude where somebody might be like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I feel like God has called me to do this where other times it may feel like, oh no, 
Like th- this is what he wants me to do. Um, and so you're more reluctant in that way. And so when it comes to like, when it comes to making decisions based on what you believe God wants you to do, being willing to do it, um, do you have to have the right attitude in it? And what, what would, you know, the contrast be between somebody who is excited and ready to do what God has called them to do versus somebody who may be struggling in that area? Well, I think that's an interesting question. Um, there's so many ways that you could go with that. Uh, because I might have the desire to want to put God in my life, but there's constantly what life is full of choices. And every day I'm making choices all the time. And some of those choices are important ones. Uh, so let me put it this way. Some of those choices are uh, aren't too important, like what kind of whether I'm going to brush my teeth or not, what I'm going to eat for breakfast. Uh, what am I going to wear? Those aren't, those are fairly nebulous choices, but I still make them. Some other choices are uh, the attitude I'm going to have toward a teacher that doesn't like me or for a classmate that's in school that I can't get along with it. Everything that he does, it irritates me. And how can I make that choice to honor God in a situation like that? Uh, I, I think that's the real struggle. Uh, I might see there's a girl that I might like. And uh, she wasn't, doesn't want to pay any attention to me. What will I do to get her attention, to pay attention, actually to like me? Uh, all of those kinds of things are the kinds of decisions that God wants to infiltrate. And I don't do it right all the time. And that's not unusual because I don't do it right. Uh, it's just part of the life that I live because there is a real struggle. Uh, uh, the Apostle Paul writes about that a, a good bit in the book of Ephesians. Because he says our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It isn't against other people. But it's it's really it's a spiritual battle that I'm involved in. But it does involve people that I live with or that I contact. So uh, I'm having to learn how God wants to affect every decision, every choice that I make, whether it seems unimportant or whether it's not important. And that takes a change of mind, uh, a new way to think. Hmm. And uh, that's what Paul writes about in Romans chapter 12. Uh, you know, when he says, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind means I have to have find a new way to think. And the way that I get that new way to think is to have my, my conscious and my subconscious mind saturated with the word of God. So that's why one of the most important things I've tried to encourage young men and young women to do is to spend time, learn how to spend time in their life reading the Word of God, to, to allow God through His Word to saturate my thinking so that it affects my conscious decisions and the unconscious decisions that I make, spontaneous ones. So that's that's a lifetime thing that, that it takes to learn how to read God's Word, to read it significantly, to see what God's trying to say to me, and so uh, I think that's some of the struggle that uh, kids go on, go go with, have to face, have to learn how to handle in the, in their everyday life. Yeah, and it's 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 really cool for me to think because what you just said reminds me of Second Corinthians chapter four verse eighteen, which tells us, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So like you said, our mind has to be transformed. And once that transformation occurs, then our focus shifts from the things that the world wants us to focus on, like having a good job and making a lot of money and being able to have material possessions that are as good as or better than the people around us. But once we, once we start to renew our mind and have this relationship with God, we start to focus on the things that are unseen, the things that are eternal in nature because it doesn't matter how many material goods or how much money you have during your life here on earth once you die all those things are going to stay on earth while you are going to pass into the eternal realm you're going to you're going to um be either with god or without god for eternity and if you spent your entire life on earth focused on the material things and the the possessions and the status that you had relative to those around you in society 
then you're going to get to the other side of eternity and you're going to realize that you didn't focus on any of the things that were important. But I really like that, that Mr. Andy was emphasizing to spend time in the word of God because our brains are like sponges. If we, if we want the sponge to be full of water, then you have to, you have to constantly be putting that sponge under the water. And in this metaphor, the water is the word of God and our brains are the sponge. And so if we keep the sponge away from, away from the water, we keep our brains away from the word of God, then how can we expect the sponge to be wet at all? In order for the sponge to get wet, we have to submerge it into the water, just like we have to submerge our brains and our minds into that water. So I, it, it brings up an interesting question. You've worked with high school kids your entire life, uh, your entire ministry career, Mr. Andy. And I know that, that you've been working with them for decades on decades. And I'm sure that you've seen a lot of things change with high school kids, whether that's the things they focus on, like you know, video games versus radio programs or, or, or the different things that, that high schoolers have focused on throughout the years. But I'm sure that a lot has remained the same. In fact, more than we expect has probably uh, remained the same from high schoolers today versus high schoolers in the, the 1950s and the 1960s. So how have you seen um, challenges evolve, challenges that, that high schoolers face evolve over those years and how have you seen some of the same problems continue to persist even as the the technology improves and generations uh, change i think that some of the stuff that's some of the struggles are still the same struggles but the the things that they deal with in struggling with those issues uh have changed uh one of the things i want to say this fact of having my mind changed transformed by the renewing of your mind that's an ongoing process. This isn't something that all of a sudden it happened once and I don't have to do that anymore. It's just part of the issue that the way that I have to learn how to live because constantly there is this temptation or this struggle, this appeal to, to live a self-satisfying lifestyle or a God-satisfying lifestyle. Uh, but I think that uh, I think some of the things that I see that kids have struggled with no matter what age, what what era it is, is their identity and who they are, uh, and what are they going to do to uh, emphasize or to develop that identity? Uh, because sometimes my identity is, and it's always been so. Sometimes my identity is made up in the things that I own, particularly the things that I that I wear. Uh, kids have always liked to wear clothes that are most often like everybody else. And uh, in fact, sometimes I like to wear your, I used to say, I like to wear their price tags because if, uh, if it's Levi that's on the back of your jean or it's, it's uh, the little swoosh that's on your shoes or in your shirt or on your hat, you know, that tells people about how much you've paid for those clothes. And we like to do that because we like to be accepted. Uh, we like to, the kind of things that we listen to, whether it's a, a, a musical group or whether it's a political group, uh, uh, we like to have that identity by, oh, I'm in with those people because they all like to talk about that, so I'll like to talk about that. Um, I think it's the kind of phone that I have. I think I think that's the biggest struggle I've seen is uh, the amount of money that kids pay for things today is different than what kids used to pay for because you have much more technical stuff. I mean, who buys a phone for $50 anymore? Does anybody buy a phone that they use that costs 50 bucks? Nobody does. And, uh, but I, th I personally think the cell phones that kids have today is probably a bigger problem that I've seen than anybody has ever had before. Uh, the reason I say that is because through the cell phone, you have access to more stuff on your own than anybody ever has had in history. Uh, you have access to stuff that you can see that you can see and that you can listen to that nobody else knows. I mean, your parents don't know, your siblings don't know, your friends don't know what you watch, what you listen to. And that's the difficulty that you have. Uh, but I think that kids have access to things on those phones that God never intended you to do. And as teenagers particularly, God doesn't expect you to have the maturity on your own to make all those wise decisions. So I recommend it to guys and to girls to all the time have somebody that helps you to be accountable to for what you watch and what you listen to on your phone. Whether it's your parents, maybe your parents can put some kind of control on your phone for you because actually you have so much access to porn sites 
uh, that's particular one thing that I think of that throughout history people haven't had. We, mankind has always had a problem with pornography and with the lust of the flesh. But we have more access to more things now with a phone than we have ever had. So unless we get some controls, unless we get some help, because God never intended us to make those decisions on our own, and we don't know how to make those decisions on our own. That's why we're still called kids. Uh, and to help have somebody help us, uh, what's the word that I'm to, to moderate, to uh, mentor, to uh, help us control what we watch and what we listen to on cell phone. Um, so that I think that identity is a, is a major thing that kids have always had to deal with. It's just the means, the, the subjects that have appealed to them to help develop what their identity is, uh, is, is different. And, uh, but the struggle for that identity is still the same kind of thing. Is that helpful? Is it... Yeah, that's great. Just because like, like you said, pe- kids throughout all generations have struggled with fitting in with the, the best kids and the coolest kids and trying to make sure that the identity that they have is the right identity, that it's the one that's going to make them have the most, have the best reputation or have the most popularity. And like you said, those problems have, have persisted, but the ways in which they have been expressed have changed throughout the years. And sure. the, the technology and the tools that we have at our disposal today make it much easier to fall into some of those traps because we have so many things at our fingertips. And like you said, it's, it's some of the most dangerous uh, problems, biggest problems that you've seen any kids throughout any generation uh, struggling with. And Accountability partners is something that we talk about a lot on on our show. We often recommend that people get accountability partners, that they have people who who hold them or, or help them walk through their their struggles and help them go from a worldly mindset to a mindset more in line with Christ. And that brings us back to today's topic: uh, being able being able to to do anything. Um, anywhere, at any time, and at any cost for Christ. So I, I'll let you uh, take it away with that. I know that you have a, a lot to say on that topic. So what, what um, have you? What things would you like to to share on that topic for us? Well, I think that it's important to understand. Uh, I asked the question: Are you willing to do this? Because we don't always know what God wants us to do, and God doesn't always make it clear to us. Uh, when I was an 11-year-old kid, God didn't make out a, a roadmap for me and said, here, Andy, here's the whole thing. He doesn't do that. Uh, he wants me to learn to walk with him day by day. And uh, uh, sometimes it's a little step, sometimes it's a big step. But I always like to ask his, are you willing to do these things? Because if you are, I think that's an indication of my willingness to surrender my life to God for his. Uh, because I know God made me. And he made me intentionally, made me purposefully so that uh, uh, I can do the things that uh, are part of his big picture, part of his big plan. What I do may not be a big thing and it God's overall plan, but for me, it's a big thing because it's for me personally. So I like to ask kids the question, of, are you willing to do anything? Um, this anything, it usually has to do with career choices. Uh, whether it's a short-term thing or a long-term thing. Uh, you know, what is it that God might not have for you, have for you to do? Um, I, a lot of times kids say, oh, I say, I went on a missions trip. And uh, so I fulfilled my obligation to God. So I did my missions thing, so I don't have to do that anymore. Well, maybe, maybe that missions trip was something that God wanted you to do. But maybe it's something that he wants you to do long-term. Uh, but I think that uh, it's an issue that I need to struggle with. Uh, my obligation to him, uh, it's not an issue of whether it's a short-term or long-term. It's an issue of that I'm willing to do anything for God that he wants. Um, it might be a one-time occasion. Uh, it might be a radical move that God wants. Um, it's... Um, hmm. Why it might even be what God wants you to do might not even make sense to a lot of people. Um, I remember uh, sometimes uh, uh, somebody said, "Well, God, God hasn't called me to be a preacher." 
while being a preacher isn't the only thing that there is to do to serve God. Um, somebody said, God hasn't called me to be a missionary. While being a missionary isn't the only thing there is to do to be to serve God, because there's so many different kinds of things that you can do in being a missionary or to find a way to serve God. Um, for instance, I never met this guy, but I read his biography. There's a book written by, by a man who wanted to serve God, and he's uh, been a veterinarian in a formerly closed country where you can't go as a traditional missionary. But he found out that they needed veterinarians, and he went there and set up a veterinary service. And so he went, did that role as a missionary in a closed country, but teaching people how to care for their animals. And of course, the question is, why did you come here to do that? And that's what opened up the door for him to explain to people why he came there, used his veterinarian ability to serve God in that capacity. So it isn't always just to being a preacher that you can serve God, or it isn't just to being a missionary. Uh, there's a, uh, uh, so many different ways in whatever you do, whatever your career choice is, to have it in that attitude, in you know, and uh, to do anything for God. So it isn't that the pastor serves God and I don't have to, or the missionary serves God and I don't have to. No, it's we serve God. Whatever role it is, uh, that's the issue that we do. I'm going to serve God because it's am I willing to do anything for God? And that leads to the second thing that I want to talk about. And I've chosen any time. Um, you know, am I willing to do anything for God? Am I willing to do it at any time? Oh, what, before college or during college? Uh, am I doing in class, outside of class? Uh, if if my identity might be threatened if I do this kind of thing? Um, am, I, am I ready to do anything at any time? Um, that's why Peter writes about the fact, uh, always be ready to give an answer to anybody who asks you for the reason, for the hope that you have, and do that gently. So I had to be ready at the spur of the moment. Maybe it's occasionally. Maybe it's the rest of your life. Maybe it's a lifetime thing. Uh, it's an added, it's a lifetime attitude that God wants me to have that I'm willing to do anything at any time for God. Huh. I encourage kids to do this. Uh, learn how to do this when you're young. Don't wait till you get old to try to learn how to do this. Um, uh, you've only got one life to live. So why not do it for God? Uh, no matter what the career choice is, have that attitude that I'm doing this for God. Um, I remember a businessman that I worked with. I had his two two sons in a small group that I had. And uh, uh, this man was learning. How, you mean I could take my business and surrender my business to God? I could do my business for God? And that's the answer that I had for him. Yes, that's the kind of thing that he wants you to do. Um, any questions that you have about either one of those subjects, any, anything or any time? So in terms of the doing anything, um, the first thing that comes to mind is, like you, you brought up earlier, that God doesn't always make it clear um, what, what he wants us to do. Like he doesn't say, all right, here's what you're going to do with your life and you're going to do it for my glory. Um, but so how do we know those moments that are um, that he's calling us to do something? Is it, you know, something that the Holy Spirit convicts you of when a preacher um, says something? Or is it just something that comes to mind um, at a certain point just and you feel like that might be God calling you? How, how do you know when that when that voice is God saying, all right, I have something for you to do for me? I think some of the issue is that that's an attitude of life that you need to pray about. I think that when you're, when you're praying about these things, am I willing to do anything at any time for God? I need to have, I encourage kids to have a personal devotions with God every day. Uh, and I encourage kids to do that in the morning because you usually, it's much better to pray, I think, at the beginning of something rather than afterwards. It's okay to pray afterwards, but not instead of praying beforehand. Uh, even if you don't have your devotions in the morning, at least begin the day in prayer. God, I don't know what's going to come my way today. And help me be desensitive to what, what it is that you want me to do. Uh, 
And there's so many, as I talked about earlier, there's so many choices that you can make. And some of those choices you live to in, endure and some of those choices you make you enjoy. Uh, but that's that's a different subject. But the point of the matter is that I'm learning how to make those choices uh, from a godly point of view. If I, my mind isn't saturated by the word of God, I'm having a bigger struggle than doing what knowing what God wants me to do. And it isn't always very clear. Sometimes God just says, this is here and I want you to pray about doing this. Uh, That's a little complicated and it might take down another rabbit trail. I don't want to go down that rabbit trail. Um, but I think it is that I learned how to trust God and know that he wants to fill my mind with his Holy Spirit and wants to direct me. And, for, and so I learned how the fact that he can direct me and wants to direct me every day. Um, I remember a girl who was in one of my small groups, and she said, I wanted to be a better witness for Christ in my high school. And she says, how do I do that? And I said, why don't you pray about God? Who is it that you want me to talk to about Jesus today? And uh, so she says, I had a hard time doing that. And I said, why? She said, because uh, when I started to pray that way, I found that I had far more opportunities to witness than I was willing to do. I said, what do you mean? She says, well, for instance, one day on my way to school, I was walking down the street, and on my side of the street, I was walking. And I said, oh, look, Lord, there's a girl over there. Do you want me to go talk to her about Jesus? See, she, that's the thing that she talked about. Rather than should I, go, should I go talk to her about Jesus, she said, Lord, do you want me to go talk to her about Jesus? And God said to her, sure, why not? So she went over and she talked to her about the Lord Jesus. And she was amazed how receptive the girl was for the gospel. Uh, there was another girl who went to school and she had this good friend of hers. She had never talked to about Christ. And she said, God, do you want me to talk to, let's call her Jane. Do you want me to talk to Jane about Christ today? And the Lord said, why not? So she says, okay. So she went to school that day. She got to school earlier, went to the cafeteria where everybody hung out before classes started. And uh, she said, Lord, if you want me to talk to Jane about Christ today, you bring Jane to school early so that I can talk to her in the cafeteria. So who comes walking into the cafeteria? But Jane comes walking and she's okay, Lord, I guess I got to do this. And she explained, she said, Jane, I want to talk to you about the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jane surprised the socks off of her because Jane said, I've been waiting for you to tell me about Jesus. I have been wanting to know how I can know God. And finally, you got around to telling me about it. So I think a big thing about it is just pray. You don't have to pray for half an hour about some of those things. Nothing wrong with that. But it, if it's on the spur of the moment kind of thing, there's nothing wrong with praying. Say, God, is this what you want me to do? And I think God will generally give you a pretty good idea about that, answer, help you to answer your prayer when you pray that way. So that's anything at any time. Are you willing to do anything, even some things that may... Hmm. Let me talk about that. Generally, the, thing, the big things that we're talking about is career-wise. Generally, God has gifted you with some things. I said, that God doesn't call everybody to be a preacher. I knew two men who wanted to serve God, and they thought the only way to serve God was to be a preacher. Neither one of them were made to be preachers. Neither one of them were. But yet they found themselves in churches trying to learn how to be a pastor. And eventually they found out that's not what God wanted to do. But they thought that the only way that, to serve God the only thing to do to do that was to be a preacher. And there's a multitude, a multitude of things that you can do to serve God without having to be a preacher. And I think that's an important thing to do. Uh, any other questions or comments about that? Yeah, I would ask a lot of times for myself, uh, when I put myself in those mindsets and I'm, I'm asking God, you know, what he wants me to do, how he wants me to serve him. Sometimes I get different inklings in my mind and i'm not sure how to tell which one is the holy spirit guiding me and which one is something else or someone else causing me to think that way so when we get different ideas of, of which way we might feel called is there a good way to tell which way is the the way that the holy Spirit's calling us to go i think uh sometimes you have to make a decision on the spur of the moment 
that's harder. That's the thing to just pray instantly. God, is this what you want me to do? Sometimes it's longer. I mean, you've got, like, for instance, I remember Christian with you struggling about going to the Annapolis, to the Academy of Annapolis. Uh, one of the things that helped you make that decision is that you prayed about it and you made that an application. And one of the things that helped you is that you got turned down. That was an easy decision for you to make because you didn't have to decide. But sometimes there's a long period of time uh, that you're not sure what to do. And you might have a choice between, say, for instance, you might might want to go to three different colleges. Suppose that you want to go to Maryland College or suppose uh, Howard Community College or maybe you want to go off to Wheaton or something like that or to my alma mater, Houghton College in Western New York State. And I think sometimes one of the things to do to make the long-term decision is to make a list of the reasons to do something and the reasons to not do something. Sometimes we call that the pros and cons. And you make a list of the reasons to do it and the reasons to not do it. And uh, because one list is bigger than the other may indicate which way you should do but maybe not, because maybe one thing on the reason to not do it is far more important than all the others. And then one of the things I want to suggest about do, about doing that is, if you have the time, make that list. Two, second thing, to put that list aside for a week if you can, if you have the time. Put that list aside for a week. Don't take it out. Just let it sit in your drawer. Let it sit in your desk, desk. And then maybe a week later, take it out and look at it again. And again, you're praying about this. If you have the time, show that list to a friend that knows you. If you can, take it to an adult that you know how, how knows that you know knows how to follow God, and show that list to them, and let them help you evaluate whether you should do something or not. Uh, I think that's a good thing to do if you have the time to do that. But I think for the short-term things, just pray and ask God to give you the common sense whether to do this or not. Uh, I know some a lot of kids like they're interested in particular in, in sport in athletics and sports, and maybe they want to be a professional football player since the NFL is struggling at this point in time. Uh, uh, and you say, "Well, I really like to be an NFL football player." Uh, this is kind of an absurd illustration, but maybe your friend has said, "What in the world ever made you want to think to do that? You've never played football in your life. You don't have any athletic ability." That's just an extreme example. But that's one of the ways that somebody helps you think about those kinds of things. Um, and maybe if somebody, you say this to somebody, oh, I, I want to serve God in ministry. And you say that to somebody, somebody says this back to you. They say, I've been praying for you that you'd be willing to do that, you know, be willing to do that kind of thing. And if you wish, I would be glad to help you find some kind of av some avenues in which you can serve and do some of those things. So that's part of the reasons why you have mentors uh, older ad adults with you around you to help you sort some of those things out. And one thing I would add to that is whether or not what you feel called to do is in line with scripture, because we know that God is always consistent in what he does, what he says and what he, what he wills. So if, if you feel uh, a calling in multiple directions, uh, in addition to the, the things that Andy said, which are great things to do, I would also recommend looking at, at the different options that you have and seeing which one is most in line with scripture and is most in line with what you know about God and what you know he calls us to do already in his word. Because so many people get bogged down is what is God calling me to do that they forget to look into the scripture where God has already given us many commands for what to do in our Christian lives. That is to, to go out um, sharing the gospel and baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is to go out and to love our neighbor as ourself and to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. These things, these commands he's already given us so we can look at the different options that we have in our lives and look look at them side by side with the commands that we know God has given us in scripture to see which align best. So I think that that these are some great uh, points that you're going through, Mr. Andy, and I can't wait to, to get to I the think, next one anywhere. I think, I think one thing I would say about that, you can always be sure that what God wants you to do will never be contrary or contradict what the Word of God Amen. says. So we talked about anything at any time, then talk about anywhere. Um, it might be in your hometown. Um, it might be that's where God wants you to do it, right where you are. Uh, it might be difficult to do it there. It's maybe something that's e easy or something that's difficult. Um, 
It might be something, maybe that God wants you to go some part of the world that nobody's ever been before. That's kind of hard to do. But to, to find a, a way to serve God, maybe, this is a thing that bothers me. Ages and ages ago, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And when we recognize this is 2020, there are still some parts of the world where there are people who haven't heard about the Lord Jesus. And yes, you, in some of those places, you can't go as a traditional missionary. You have to go like the friend that I mentioned, the man that I mentioned earlier, went as a veterinarian because you couldn't go as a missionary. Uh, I think there are many, many places like that. And a lot of those places are in the Middle East and in the Far East. Um, so maybe you can't go as a missionary. Um, but maybe you can go. There was a man that I met. He used to work for Campbell Soup. You know, they go to make tomato soup and chicken noodle soup and all that stuff. And uh, he was in a church service one time and he heard about this missionary, talked about this country that missionaries couldn't go to uh, as a traditional type missionary. Uh, whatever that is, you might have something conjured up in your mind about that. So he says, well, what could I do? So he went to this country, he took his wife and his and a couple of his sons with him. And he went to this country to find out what this country needed. And what they needed was jobs. And he says, Lord, what can I do to help them find a job? And so the Lord said, well, what did you do all of your life? He says, well, I work for Campbell Soup. I help, I help set up and run manufacturing companies to make soup. So the Lord said, so, well, why don't you use your manufacturing ability to develop some kind of business for these people so they can work at and serve the Lord in doing this kind of thing? Well, Lord, what do I do? He says, well, ask the people what they grow. Well, they grew green beans. So this man said, well, I can help them can green beans. So this man imported all of the stuff to build a factory, all of the, the building itself, and then the equipment to teach these people how to can the green beans that they grew. And then they could sell them and make money off it. And it, it, established, it raised the standard of living. Well, what does that have to do with missions? Well, it had everything to do with missions because interesting thing about it was all those people asked him, well, why in the world did you come to us to teach us how to do that? And they said, oh, that was the right question. He says, I did that because the Lord Jesus was paying attention to you and wanted you to know that he loved you and that he cared for you. And, and he sent me to help you to help you find that out. And he sent me with my skills of running a factory and knew how to build a factory and how to run a factory and how to maintain a factory and took the product that you already had, your green beans, and to can them. So it was really an interesting thing that God had given him to do so that he could uh, tell these people about Jesus. It was a different step, a different process. Um, and then his sons came along because they needed to learn how to operate computers. So this was a few years ago. But nevertheless, his sons then took over the business and was teaching the people in the community how to run the business with a computer. So here, he went to a country that said, well, I can't go there. Well, don't say I can't go there. Maybe say, well, Lord, how can I go there? Or maybe to your class, uh, well, Lord, nobody in my class is interested in Jesus. Well, how do you know they're not interested in Jesus? Did you ever ask Jesus about that? Um, um, may, but Lord, I don't know their language. Well, maybe God wants you to learn the language. Hmm. That's this thing of anywhere. I have a good friend of mine who was a missionary in Japan for 30 some odd years. And he had, before he ever went to Japan, he knew he was going to have difficulty learning Japanese language. And he did. He always had difficulty with Japanese. But God used him anyway. And he had a phenomenal ministry, both to English-speaking high school kids and to Japanese kids, because that's where God wanted him to go. So um, maybe God wants you in the USA. Maybe he wants you overseas. Maybe he wants you to do something cross-culturally, some culture that's different than yours. Maybe he wants you in a ghetto in America. Maybe it's a poor ghetto or maybe it's a rich ghetto. Uh, maybe he wants you someplace in downtown D.C. of a ghetto, or maybe he wants you in a rich ghetto like Bethesda, Maryland. You know, anywhere hmm, that comes about an answer to prayer, something about your thinking, something about the skills that he's given to you. All of those things can kind of help this, uh, help you determine 
where it is that you might go. Um, sometimes you find that out because now you have an opportunity that never existed when I was a kid. You can take a short-term missions trip, whether it's for two weeks or for two months or for two years. And that's back to anything. And uh, that's what I talked about earlier. Just because you do that on a short-term mission trip doesn't mean that you can wipe your hands clean of it, that you're all done. Not necessarily so, because maybe that's the means of God getting you there, is by going there and God breaking your heart by the things that break God's heart uh, to see that maybe that's what he wants you to do. Leave that comfort zone where you are to go to that place where it may not be so comfortable for Jesus. It's it's just such a blessing to listen to you talk about the different uh, ways in which we are called to devote ourselves to Christ. And for each one, you from all your, your vast experience, you have a story of somebody who, who you know, was called to do something that they weren't comfortable with or called to go somewhere that they weren't comfortable with or called to do something at a time at which they didn't necessarily feel comfortable. But for each and every story that you tell, we see how at the beginning the person was not comfortable in the situation that God called them to. And they weren't sure how it was going to turn out. But for each and every one, because they followed and obeyed God's word and and the calling that they felt in their life, because they obeyed what they felt God calling them toward, God made it all work out uh, in the end. And this this reminds me of one of the the most quoted uh, Bible verses in, in the entire Bible, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So everybody who who comes to salvation in Jesus Christ can, can rest assured in this fact that God knows exactly what his plans are for us. And he calls us to, to seek him in every decision that we make, every step that we take. He calls us to, to look for him and to obey his, his calling whenever uh, we feel it and whenever we, we sense that he's calling us towards something. And if we do this, we know that we will go on this this amazing path that God has for us to prosper us and and to give us a hope in the future, and that might not always be what we expect it to be. We might have to go in a way like these stories that Mr. Andy is telling in a way that we don't expect, in a way that we are not necessarily comfortable with. But if we follow God faithfully in everything that we do, every decision that we make, we can rest assured in the fact that He is going to take care of us, and He He knows what's best for us, and He has what's best for us at his, at his, his core. And he's going to call us to do these things uh, that are best for us. I want to add to that Christian, if I may, because the verse that you quoted in Jeremiah 29 is a promise that God gave to Jeremiah to give to the nation of Israel. And he had just finished telling them, look, you're going to have to endure 70 years of captivity in Babylon. And even though you're there, don't give up, don't quit. I will bring you back because I've got plans for you and I've got a hope for you. And I want to say about that is because God's will, what God wants you to do and how God wants you to do that isn't always easy to do. Sometimes there's great hardships and great difficulties that God brings your way that you didn't count on, that you didn't plan on. And it's still part of what God wants to do. Uh, and it may, not, it, it may be the consequences of bad choices that you made. It may be just part of the discipline of God because God wants you to make you into a better person. Either case, God wants to use those circumstances. So just because you decide to do anything, anytime, anywhere for God doesn't going to mean that it's an easy thing. Uh, it may be filled with hardships. It may be filled with difficulty. Uh, there's a man who was a missionary in Turkey. Well, you can't be a traditional missionary in Turkey, but he spent two years in prison and he had done nothing wrong. You know, what kind of success does that sound like? Not very much, but he was released from prison in this past year. Uh, but those kinds of things happen to people. And Christians sometimes suffer wherever they are. In some some cultures of the world, world it's more suffering than others. Uh, and so I just want to, Add to the fact that when you're doing what God wants, don't be surprised if there's hardship, if there's difficulties, if there's loneliness, if there's issues that make it uh, say, God, where are you? Are you sure this is the right thing, God? So don't be surprised if those hard time comes in the midst of doing what you know that God wants you to do. Huh. Talking about scripture, um, I wrote down a couple. There's First John 2, 12 that says, couple things you know the, the lust of the flesh whatever but he that does the will of god lives forever uh there's a prayer that the lord jesus taught his disciples to pray in matthew 6 
And in it, he says, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, so it's not your will, but God's will that you're wanting to do. I know you talked about that. There's Matthew uh, chapter 9, verse 37. He says, Where the, if the labors are few, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out more workers into the harvest. Because the whole world is the harvest field. And God wants all of us to be involved in his ministry. Some of it's full-time, some of it's not full-time. But it's partly the, having this attitude of any, anything, any time, anywhere, at any cost for God. Because that's what I'm leading to. Um, so I, it's just not an easy thing to do. Um, Jesus says in Matthew 10, 42, he who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake in the gospel will find it. Hmm. We'll find it. So there's something about this attitude that God wants us to have, that finding, knowing what he's made before, where I'm going, and uh, those kinds of things are important to God. And it's, it's found out in this lifestyle of learning how to live. It's the word that, that I don't like to use because it's un, it seems un-American. It's the lifestyle of surrender. Uh, you know, it seems like anti-American to surrender. We're used to winning, not surrendering. And, uh, and no matter what I do, I'm used to winning. And God says, now he who loses his life for my sake of the gospel will find it. That's the way to the success, the meaning, the significance is losing your life for God. Uh, so so that, that that's an issue of surrender. And that's the last point. Um, that is this thing at any cost. That's the hard part, because whatever it takes, whether it's a surrendering of position or possessions or housing, what kind of housing, or even a mate, maybe you can't wait till I get married. I remember, uh, particularly when I was in high school and when I was in college, I'd look at girls, is that the one you want married, Lord? Is that the one you want married, Lord? Never thought about maybe being single. Never entered my head as a kid of ever being single. There's a co-worker of mine that I worked with for many, many years who's been in Russia for about 25 years. And uh, his name is Rick. Some of you had a privilege of meeting him several years ago. Uh, Rick is single. And uh, when Rick was worked with our mission in Brooklyn, New York, every every mother of every Christian girl in Brooklyn had their eyes on Rick for a husband for their daughter. When Rick went to Russia, and was in the Baptist church church in this one city. Well, every mother of a girl in that church had their eyes on Rick to be a, a husband for their daughter. But Rick said God didn't have any plans for him for having a wife. Because he said, the ministry that I have, that I've dedicated my life to, of reaching young people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, I couldn't do. <coughs> Excuse me, not everybody got, got calls does God call to do this? But he says, I couldn't do that if I was married, if I had a wife, and then if God gave us children. Because of the kind of commitment that it takes for the things that God has given to me to do, I couldn't do that. And uh, I remember one girl saying to a missionary that she had met, she said, what do you mean? He said to her, how do you know God wants you to be married? And she had never thought about being single. And she says, I don't know, I just assumed that that's what everybody did. He said, well, maybe God doesn't want you to. As it ended up, God did want her to be married. Uh, but that's a real struggle. You know, that's a cost that some people pay. Maybe it's a maybe it's an issue of income. Uh, you know, you say, well, Andy, it takes an awful lot to live around Washington, D.C., and I know that full well. But I, maybe it's an issue that God doesn't, God doesn't want you to live here. Maybe God wants you to go somewhere else where it doesn't cost so much to live. Maybe God wants to hmm. – that's another whole topic. Why does God give you the things that he does? It's particularly with income, you know, is it for me to spend on myself or is it to give away? You know, that's another whole topic. Uh, somebody could say, Andy, I, 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 would, I was interested in being involved in ministry, but this thing of having to raise support is something that's very difficult. Uh, one girl's father said to me one time, and he says, my daughter wants to be involved in ministry, in missions, but he says, I don't want my daughter having to go around beg for money. And I said to him, I said, I'm so sorry that you see 
the raising support is begging for money because what she's doing is giving an opportunity to other people to have a role in the ministry that she's got. Because when you go involved in ministry, whether it's full-time, part, short-term, whatever it is, you give those people the opportunity to give to you, but Lord, to, to participate because you're going on their behalf to some of those places. Um, so it is extending the role that some people have in serving God because to anything that they can do, maybe God wants them to be involved in giving their money away. Uh, there are some people God is blessed with a lot of money. And uh, I've known a few of them, and they are very, extremely generous, extremely generous with their money because they've prayed about how to use the money that they got. I think one of the th most flabbergasting things to me one time was a man who's several of his children I had in one of my small groups. And he and his wife one time called my wife and me to come to his house because he wanted to talk to us about something. And what he wanted to do is he wanted to give to Joanna me a gift of $16,000. Well, I had never had that happen before or since, and I didn't, know what to, I didn't know how to act to that. But he said that God has given us money, and we pray a lot about what to do with our money. And one of the things that God made clear to me is that I'm supposed to give you this $16,000. So some people, God's given money to give away. And uh, I was very glad to be the recipient of that and very thankful to him for that. And it came to us at a time that we needed it. But don't have this attitude that raising support to do some of those things is an attitude of having to beg for money. It's an issue of having to trust God and giving you an opportunity to serve other people by going on their behalf to some places that they couldn't or won't go to, but you can go on their behalf. And they help you do that by funding you to do that kind of thing. So to do all of those things, to be willing to do anything at any time, anywhere, at any cost for Jesus. Um, and the greatest cost is maybe it will cost you your life. Um, I mean, we all know that we're going to die sometime. We don't know when that will be. But the issue is that some people, um, it costs them their lives. Because of the fact that they're obedience to God to do what God wants. It doesn't always make people happy because you come and tell them about the Lord Jesus. And sometimes because of you doing that, uh, they don't like you and so they take your life. I'm not talking about costing your life because of accident or that kind of thing. And it might be or because of sickness or disease that can happen to any and does happen to anybody anywhere. But sometimes it's because of your willingness to do this anything and anytime, anywhere for Christ. For the sake of the gospel, not many people may know about it. You may not get a plaque. You may not get an award for anybody uh, here on earth. But you, eventually in heaven to get that, what did Jesus say? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Isn't that what you're after? Hmm. So I think that. That's what God wants on our behalf, that willingness to do anything, anytime, anywhere, at any cost for the gospel, for the sake for God, for the sake of getting the gospel out to the whole world. Look, Matthew twenty eight, what to say? Jesus said, Go and make disciples. So his commission to his followers, not just to some, but to his followers was to go and make disciples. So the word gospel begins with the word go. This is a very convenient thing. So the attitude about this frame of mind that God wants to have is this attitude of going for him. And this attitude of being willing to do this anything, anytime, anywhere, at any cost is uh, I think something that God wants all of us to do and some people aren't willing to do that because their concept of God is too small I'm afraid that if I trust God hmm, used to be some people say I'm afraid to trust God they might send me to Africa I don't know whether Africa is the bottom of the barrel or the highest hurdle to get over but I'm afraid that God might send me to Africa. Yeah, he might. But he might not. Is he worth trusting? Now I'm 83 and I'm looking back. 
Yeah, there's things that I wouldn't have chosen. There's a lot of things I wouldn't have chosen, but God in sovereignty chose a lot of stuff to send my way, to bring my way. And uh, has he been worth trusting? Yeah, he has. And I want to encourage you to that mostly, or the most of your part, you're looking ahead. Is God big enough to trust with all of these things? I have no idea what God's got in store for any of you. I, you know, that's not up to me to tell you. I can pray with you. I can give you advice about those kinds of things. Uh, but it's not up to me to find that out. It's up to you to find that out. And I think God's worth trusting because uh, he's worth it. Look, it costs him everything that he had to send his son to earth to pay the penalty for your sins so your sins could be forgiven so you could know him and live with him forever. What more honorable thing is there to do but to show him how much you love him in response to that by letting him do, let him have control over your life to do anything, anytime, anywhere, at any cost for him. Yeah, this conversation has been so encouraging just because I think that that's something that we need to be reminded about often, very often, is that we as Christians are called to surrender our lives to Christ. Like like you were mentioning earlier, it seems like a, it seems like a sign of weakness to surrender. It seems like I'm saying I can't do it on my own and I'm not good enough, so I'm going to surrender. And that's true. We can't do it on our own. But what we're really doing is we're, we're acknowledging how great and how trustworthy God is when we humble ourselves before him by surrendering our lives to him. And we see the price that Jesus Christ paid, the price that God paid by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to come to this world, to live the perfect life, be the only human being ever not deserving of death. But he decided to take that on himself anyway. He took the eternal wrath of God that you and I deserve so that we don't have to to face that eternal wrath and that we can have salvation, that we can live um, in eternity by God's side forever. And and before we close out, I just wanted to to bring up one more story that I, I heard from you one time, Mr. Andy, and it stuck with me uh, to this day. It's, it's the idea of heaven. A lot of people say, you know, heaven is great. I, I want to go to heaven. But a lot of people ask the question, like, why should I want to go to heaven? What, what is so great about heaven? And you were telling us about, about a time that you were having a discussion about this with one of your, your high school groups. And somebody asked, they said, what would heaven be like if God wasn't there? And one of the girls in the group, she spoke up and she said, well, it wouldn't be heaven if God wasn't there because that's, yep. that's the reason that it is heaven because God is there. That that's what makes it heaven. And just knowing that, that our pursuit on this, on this earth is not pursuing heaven. Our pursuit on this earth is pursuing God. Yeah, and when you, when you talk about heaven, it sounds like, you know, Oh, I want to be free from all kinds of obstacles, difficulties, sickness, illness. You know, it's just an ideal place to live like a vacation spot. And it isn't the issue of heaven. It's the issue of being with God. And where God is, we call heaven. And that's the reason. But we've made the emphasis on heaven instead of on God. Yep, I agree with you. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a big problem. Even as, as I went out and shared the gospel um, in my early days of, of learning how to share the gospel and going out on the streets and doing that with people, I found myself emphasizing heaven. That, that was like the selling point. Don't you want yep. this salvation? So you can go to heaven one day. Yeah. Don't you want this? So you can go to a place where there's no problems. And, and I was selling it to them as if all their problems would go away. And that's why they should come to salvation in Jesus, Jesus Christ. But when you look at it and you, you truly understand the gospel story, it's not heaven that we're pursuing at all. It's the God of the universe who, who personally knows my name, personally knows your name. And he cares for us. He he's intimately involved in everything. And like Mr. Andy said earlier in the episode that he is, big enough. He is so big that we can trust him with all those things. We can trust him with everything in our lives, every little thing, every big thing, everything. We lay it at his feet and we can trust him with that. So before I close it out, did you have any any last words or, or closing statements to say, Mr. Andy? I suggest to people to take in the front of their Bible or someplace like that where they would keep it permanently. And if they're willing, make write this statement. I am willing to just write the words, I am willing to do anything, anytime, anywhere, and any cost for God. Date it and sign it. It's easy to talk about that subject for over an hour, and, and but 
to make that kind of decision, even if you've made it before, but not put it in writing. <clears throat> I remember a decision I made as a kid, and I put it in my Bible. I still have that Bible. It's important to me. But I encourage young people to think about that. Young people, any kind of people, no matter what age you are, to make write that in your Bible someplace, that I am willing to do anything, any time, anywhere, at any cost for God. Put it in writing, date it, and sign it. Yeah, that's it's it's that's that's what God calls us to do, to seek him in all that we do and to be willing to do whatever he calls us to do. And and that's a an extreme exercise of faith to be able to be willing to do those things and to to come before God. So I just I want to thank everybody who's listened to this episode. I know it's been a long conversation, but I think it's been worth it. I think that all the things that we've talked about today are so important in the Christian life to to come before God and be willing to follow him wherever he leads you, whenever he leads you there, whatever he leads you to, and whatever it may cost you to get there, being willing to do anything at any time, anywhere, and at any cost for, for Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's, it's, this, is, this is what the Christian life is about, is, is following God faithfully in every step that we take and every move that we make. And, and we just want to thank you guys for listening to this episode because that's what we're trying to do here in this show. We're trying to encourage people to, to live that life, to live that life for Christ. We are trying to, to spread God's glory, spread, God's, spread the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ, so that people in all corners of the earth can hear this message, can know that Jesus Christ is Lord, and can come to salvation in him, and then make that decision to, to follow him wherever he may lead. And that's, that's, that's our goal in this show. Uh, we thank you so much for supporting us because without you guys, this show would not be possible. Um, as always, you know that you can reach us on our website, livingvictorypodcast.com. You can reach out to us on email, uh, Jonathan, Max, and myself. We all have an individual email, uh, Jonathan, Max, or Christian at livingvictorypodcast.com. Our general email is questions at livingvictorypodcast.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram at livingvictorypodcast. Uh, we want to hear from you guys. We want to make this an ongoing conversation so we can help build you guys up in the faith and you guys can also do the same for us. We can pour into one another, make a community of young um, young adult believers, high school age believers who can come together and can really support one another and fellowship with one another in Christ. And if you guys have gotten anything out of this episode, we ask that you please share it with a friend. Share it with somebody who needs to hear this message because Every Christian needs to be reminded of this message constantly over and over and over again, because a lot of times we'll lose focus. We'll be focused on Christ and focus on the goal, but then we'll, we'll sort of fall off and we'll lose focus on what truly matters in this world. So if, if anybody in your life um, needs to hear this message or you want to share this with them, I, I ask you to please share this episode with them and help them to, to um, be able to listen to this episode, to hear all the amazing uh, biblical wisdom that Mr. Andy was able to share with us today. And if you guys feel um, like you would like to do more for this show, there are a number of ways that you can support us. You can go on to the, the podcast store, wherever you listen to these podcasts, and leave us a rating and review. That's how our name can get out there and people can, can have eyes and ears on this podcast and the gospel can spread further um, to more people. Also, if any of you feel so inclined, we, we do have a donation uh, section on our website, livingvictorypodcast.com slash donate. And our promise to you is that every dollar that you donate to us will go back into the show so that we can spread the gospel of Jesus Christ further, that we can help more people um, start paying attention and listening to this show so that the, the gospel message and this, this platform that God has used us through can share to more people and more eyes and ears can, can come onto the gospel through this show. So we just thank you guys once again for listening to this episode. Without, without you guys, this all wouldn't be possible. Uh, we thank you so much for listening. Uh, I thank Mr. Andy for joining us. Thank you so much for coming on this show and just, just sharing your wisdom with us today, Mr. Andy. You're welcome. And with that, uh, as always, I thank you guys for listening. Uh, go out, love each other, and shine your light.